The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. When evening had come, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Amen. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Do one thing every day that scares you. Is wisdom attributed to the late former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt that I adopted more than a decade ago. The wife of our 32nd president, Mrs. Roosevelt, is remembered for the way she changed the office of First Lady. She participated visibly and vocally in U.S. politics in the 1930s and 1940s. She spoke up on behalf of women and African Americans and those living in poverty, and she spoke out against the injustices that she witnessed. Two years before her death, Mrs. Roosevelt wrote, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. The danger lies in refusing to face the fear, in not daring to come to grips with it. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. In today's Gospel, Mark tells us that the disciples were afraid. They had clambered into a boat and set out on the Sea of Galilee in the evening to go to the other side. Now, the Sea of Galilee is really a lake. It's smaller and not as salty as the Mediterranean, but it's still large enough that waves swell, whitecaps froth, and winds howl. And there weren't any early warning systems, radar, or weather alerts. More than a dozen centuries would pass before barometers that measure changes in air pressure were invented. So the disciples found themselves caught in a surprise windstorm with waves beating the boat and swamping it. The watery tempest recalls the chaos of creation and the storm that landed Jonah in the belly of a whale 
and it symbolizes the storms that surprise us and toss our lives into turmoil. Facing the storm's wrath, the disciples wake Jesus and ask, Do you not care that we are perishing? They're the same accusatory words that Martha speaks to Jesus when her brother Lazarus dies. And isn't it the question on our lips when we feel betrayed and God appears to be silent? Jesus, don't you care? But Jesus doesn't reassure the disciples with words. Instead, his response is to rebuke the wind and silence the sea. Throughout scripture, rebuke is a prerogative of lordship. Yahweh rebukes the Red Sea to separate the water so that the people of God may pass over. And Jesus rebukes both unclean spirits and Satan in Mark's gospel account. He also rebukes the disciples when they act hastily or contradict God's commands. As the Son of God, Jesus has authority over all creation and overcomes all things that threaten our destruction, even our own sinful natures. Up until now, in Mark, Jesus had taught the disciples and the crowds using parables, stories that used everyday objects and situations to illustrate who God is and how to understand the kingdom of God. This is the first of the Mark and Miracle stories, and it is the first of several stories that demonstrate Jesus' own kingship or lordship. And that is when Mark tells us the disciples are afraid. In verse 41, where this translation says they were filled with great awe, and another says they were terrified, the literal translation would be they were afraid with great fear. Maybe the disciples are afraid of what they do not know and cannot control. Or maybe they're afraid because they recognize now that Jesus isn't only a great teacher, but now they see that he's truly the Son of God. And maybe they are afraid because Jesus has called them and given them the authority to act on God's behalf in the world. The disciples certainly weren't the first ones in Scripture who were afraid when they encountered God. When God spoke to Abram and Sarah and promised them that she would bear a son in her old age, Sarah was afraid. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai and met Aaron and the people of Israel, they were afraid. Even King David was afraid of the Lord when he was told to carry the ark of the Lord into Jerusalem. So maybe you can relate to their fear. Overwhelmed by God's call upon your life, the uncertainty of what next steps will look like, or the responsibility to lead with confidence, 
Maybe you're afraid, as Pastor D named last week, of falling short of expectations of your own making or those of others or God. In baptism, we promise to trust God, to proclaim Christ through word and deed, to care for others and the world God made, and to work for justice and peace among all people. These aren't vows we make lightly, and remembering martyrs of faith like John the Baptist, whose birthday is celebrated today, we may be afraid of consequences of even faithful action. And honestly, Jesus never says to his followers that there isn't anything to be afraid of. What he does is rebuke them for letting their fears dictate their response. Instead of trusting what they know about who God is and the promises God has made to God's people, they turn inward and they rely on themselves and their own efforts and forget that God is accompanying them. What Jesus doesn't do is leave them to sink or drown. Instead, Jesus invites them to reclaim the power that God has to defy the devil and all the forces that defy God to defy the powers of this world that rebel against God and the ways of sin that draw us from God. It is that very same power that we claim in baptism when we are named God's own sons and daughters. It is the sweet swap that we make when we profess faith in Jesus Christ. When we are made co-heirs to the kingdom and we receive all that belongs to the Son of God, and he takes on all that is ours. That is the power of faith that Martin Luther called a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and certain that a person would stake his life on it a thousand times. Truly, God calls each one of us in a particular way, and faith is the daring confidence that enlivens us to confront our fears and follow Jesus faithfully. Like the disciples who traveled with Jesus in the Gospels, we are given authority to go out into the world around us and act on God's behalf in the world, revealing who God is, how much God loves each one of us and pointing to God's presence among us, even in the storms of life. Let us pray. Life-giving God, thank you for sending your son Jesus into the world to teach us and lead us. Thank you for making us your sons and daughters and equipping us with the power of faith. Embolden us by your spirit to conquer our fears and boldly bear witness to your love, mercy, and forgiveness in a world that is afraid with great fear.